Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. In today's episode, I'm speaking with the delightful Jackie Rice, the General Counsel and Corporate Secretary at Miller Knoll. A couple of things really resonated with me. The first one is really Jackie's journey through to the General Counsel position. It's her first one. In throughout her career, she's always leaned in to new opportunities, um, new learnings, being curious and open to the discomfort of being uncomfortable and not knowing Um, but being open to learning. That's why I think that's exactly why Jackie's had and is having such a successful career. Two themes that she talks about, empathy and and vulnerability, which we do a deeper dive in. It's a fantastic discussion. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So in the usual fashion, sit back, chillax and enjoy the episode. Jackie Rice. Hello. General Counsel, Company Secretary of Millenol. Welcome to the show, Jackie. It's fantastic to have you on board. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is going to be fun. Now, Jackie, if you've heard any of my other episodes, and even if you haven't, just humor me and tell me that you have. I usually start off with (laughs) all of them. All of them. Twice. I love that. That's that's being prepared. As, so in that case, you're going to know my first question. Take us through the Jackie Rice story, the career arc. Yep. What got you interested in law in the first place and perhaps some pivotal moments in your career? Set the scene for us. Happy to do that. I, I was an early adopter of sort of focus on your strengths and uh, math and science were not my strengths. So I started to explore what does one do when one is really good at reading, history, English, writing. And uh, I actually have, my my uncle is a lawyer. He's the only lawyer in the family. And I started talking to him. And the things that really attracted me to the profession were less about arguing, which I think is what everyone thinks lawyers want to do. And it was more about taking a really complex set of issues, dissecting them, connecting dots, and then sort of breaking it down into manageable bites and building it back into something that, that could, be, could be addressed. And so um, I, I went to law school. I wasn't quite sure which. Um, and so when we talk about pivotal moments, yep. um, actually an undergrad, I went through a program at Michigan State called James Madison. And there was you had to do one of two things, either have a language proficiency or do an overseas assignment of some type. And I, for one, never thought I would leave Michigan, which yeah. is sort of funny in retrospect. And uh, I ended up doing a semester at Cambridge, which was really the, the pivotal moment for me. Oh, and nice. that is when it really whetted my appetite for getting to know the world a little bit more, dealing with different cultures uh, and doing business globally and what that looks like in different markets, et cetera. And so when I went to law school, I decided that the business path would be my path. Thought I would be a litigator initially, um, despite not loving to argue. And uh, it, 
worked for an insurance defense firm for um, a semester and or so. I think it was about a year. Yeah. And actually realized, you know, that kind of the rote activities of motion practice and, and was was not what got me energized, yeah. right? So um, in any event, cue my uncle again, who I started talking to about what are other types of legal um, uh, professions. And he connected me with a, a number of his uh, law school colleagues some of whom had gone to the, you know, the court of appeals or worked for a nonprofit or worked in house. And the in-house is really where I felt like I um, met my match and really where I could, could have the biggest impact and would, would be most excited. And a week after I graduated from law school, I started at General Motors, which was, uh, which was pretty extraordinary. That was the beginning of your career. So a couple of things I'll, I'll touch on there, only because they resonate with me personally. Um, early in my career, in fact, I'd worked for a couple of years, but I did take a year to do um, a master's in law in London, um, mm-hmm. at the University of London. So you had your, your semester at Cambridge. And I have to say, um, that was formative too for me to understand the world was a much bigger place than I was in previously and um, opportunities as well as as well as just connections. I, I think about the three or four friends I um, we catch up still every few years right now and that was a that was 1990 so that was 30 years ago <laughs> that was 92. Um, really formative years. And that's something I try and encourage now, uh, certainly my, my kids who are young adults and, and anyone else, sometimes you're in a really rush to get to the first job or to get to the 100%. get on the ladder. But that kind of experience um, and the uh, the broadening, if you like, of, the, um, of what you're exposed to, and it sounds like it was a little bit like that for you too, even though, you know, it was just a semester. Um, Without a doubt. And yeah. and that led to, I stayed at General Motors for, it's still the, the, the majority of my career was, was with the company. And yep. part of the reason was I never got bored. Jim, I, I had the yep. opportunities to do new things, learn new things, travel to different markets. It was exhilarating. And, and one of the things that I think is so uh, incredibly brilliant about being an in-house lawyer, actually. Yeah. Um, and I remember a lot of my law school colleagues were going directly to firms, really prestigious firms, and they kind of looked at me puzzled, like, what are you, yeah. what are you thinking going in-house? Is, isn't that funny? Now, I know that was a stigma at the pa- in the past, um, uh, that, that it was like it was a, the second best alternative mm-hmm. um, uh, to do that. So... Um, it, it's it's extraordinary. It, it um, is. The, the circumstances that lead you to draw that conclusion of, and, and I'm, I don't know whether it exists today at all, but um, certainly it existed back then. Um, and there were some, I remember there were some, there were certainly some downsides in the sense that the, the training infrastructure, it didn't exist for the most part. There wasn't a real peer group to speak of, but... But I would say that the, the benefits far outweighed those downsides. I wonder whether you're thinking about that kind of experience now and um, and what you felt as a junior attorney then. And, and what are some of the strategies? And I know we're jumping right into you know, what you might be doing today. But it's just, it's it's important, I think, to remember that kind of feelings of acceleration, the new challenges, 
the new opportunities and how do you recreate that now in the current workplace? Um, because that's what people that's what people thrive on: new learnings, new experiences, not that's being right. bored. Um, you said that you know, never to be bored. There was always something new to learn and a new challenge. And um, I think it, as kind of that's what leadership, a big part of leadership, I, I, I think, is about. I, I would agree with that. I think it's a, it's having an uh, insatiable curiosity. Yeah. About all things, and and again, there's I could, I could go on about the the benefits <laughs> of being in a house council, but yeah. I mean, one of them again is there's so much to learn outside of just your core competency of, of being the lawyer. It's, you get to know the industry, you get to know your competitive set, you get to know your business model. What makes the company money? You yep. know, what, where do you operate? Why do you operate there? Yep. At Miller Knoll intellectual property is a, we are a design company. So yep. IP is, is really core yep. to, to what we do. And that is not a space that I had practiced in extensively before joining the company. And so um, my colleague has been incredibly gracious with her time and patience and, and getting me up to speed and obviously doing my own self-study, but you know, yep. why are these iconic designs so critically important? And so I think it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of putting yourself in situations that give you that, that yep. learning opportunity, but also having that innate sense of, of yep. curiosity in all, in all cases. I agree entirely. I've talked about being comfortable with being uncomfortable and you're mm -hmm. only uncomfortable when you put yourself in the opportunities where you don't know right. um, uh, uh, what you need to know but you're prepared to learn you're prepared to and that and that's where all the growth is so so if you look back now on the kind of phases in, in your career so you you had time at certainly General Motors which was a significant amount of time I know you had time at Target uh, I think you might have even had some time at Accenture what are the What's the one or two key things you take away from and that remain with you from those different um, organizations or different times in your career? I think every time I made a move, it was to test what I had learned and to see if I could translate the, the skills, the experiences into you know a different industry, a different yeah. a different context of some type. And Again, I think it all ties back to the the curiosity piece that we were talking about, and and being a continuous learner. Um, I also think the the one thing in in my career that I have have tried to espouse and continue to try to espouse is you know the importance of being a good human being in addition to being a great lawyer. And I think this topic has actually gotten more more press as of late, which is yep. is good. Um, by the way, my yep. dog just came in from his walk, so I'm petting him. That's okay. Moment. Your dog is more he's, than welcome. Oh, he'll make an appearance. To make an appearance. But you know, I think I think it's it's bringing a sense of empathy and humility. Yeah. To every situation, um, and with that comes all sorts of benefits. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you grateful. Um, it makes sure that that as you approach a situation, you're not looking at it purely from the what's the right legal answer. Yeah. It's what's the right legal answer, and what are all the other things around it that we need to make sure that that we're contemplating and and thinking about. Um, and I also just think it's it's the importance of being an enterprise leader as much as it is being um, mm. a functional leader. 
Um, so the general counsel is they he or she leads the legal function. I think there is an opportunity with the emergency VSG with the challenging social environment that we find ourselves yeah. in um, to, to step out of that purely functional role and play more of an, an enterprise role, which, and again, approaching that with the right degree of humility and, and empathy and, um, and, and grace, yeah. I think can be, can be critically important. And, it's, and I, I've certainly seen that over the last 12 or so months as a Somewhat of a shift in the role of the GC, certainly the ESG taking, sometimes taking, um, being responsible for the entire company initiative around ESG. That's certainly one thing. Certainly every organisation is thinking about how am I going to brace and prepare for that? No doubt. Um, you know, you've obviously got the war in Ukraine. So when you talk about um, empathy um, and leadership and this trend that I see that general counsels are taking a more important, significant role in, I know we always talk about that's a more uncertain world, but I really think it is. Um, and um, and not only from the point of view of your, um, your customers, but your employees, particularly, mm-hmm. um, uh, leadership, as I said, your customers, the entire environment, everyone is feeling, I think, a level of kind of uncertainty and anxiety um, that probably, you know, and and that's all on the back of, of course, the last couple of years of the pandemic. Let's frame leadership in that context. You talked about empathy, which is absolutely key. I often talk about having, um, having the grace, the fortitude, the skills to be able to walk into genuinely walk in someone else's shoes and mm-hmm. really put yourself in that position, whether your team is coming to you with a, with a personal issue, whether it's just recognising, I say, we've all got shit to deal with. Sure. And, and recognising that, you know, everyone is in that position. Is there anything else that you would call out in terms of kind of what leadership requires Given that the, what, what I think is just the higher general anxiety um, uh, that's been created in you know, in the current environment, I I would say a healthy dose of vulnerability goes a long yeah. way in in these times. Yeah. And yep. and I have been incredibly fortunate to currently work with and in my in my career have worked with um, leaders who have emulated this in a in a really meaningful way. And I've, I've hopefully learned a, a, a few things from them and continue to learn from them. But, you know, we don't have all the answers right now. I don't think anyone expects us. And I think we actually garner a much greater degree of followership when we can say, listen, we don't know. But here's what we are committed to do. Or, or here's what we do know. And here's what we don't know. And here's what we are committed to do. And that... I think about COVID when, you know, there was this, you're trying to keep the business going, you're trying to keep your employees safe. And there's that constant tension between those two and, and keeping them in balance and, 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 and not knowing what was going to happen. And your point about uncertainty, Jim, I actually, my, my 
uh, team and I joke, this is, this is a new normal. I mean, it's, there's always going to be something. We've now lived through a global pandemic or are living through a global pandemic. We are on the brink of a potential recession. We're, we're in the middle of it, whatever uh, philosophy you, you um, adhere to. And I, I actually just think as leaders showing up to say very confidently, this is what we know and this is what we don't, but we're, we're committed to figuring it out can really go a long way. Jackie, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. The vulnerability, which we're, we're all reluctant, naturally reluctant to show because in leadership position, there is this, you feel sometimes there's an expectation that you just have the answers. That's why you're in the position that exactly. you're in. Um, but I think, I think you're right because I think vulnerability can actually be, in a sense, uh, I'm going to call it a superpower, but when they see that you're, ha- you're okay with calling it out, it's an authenticity mm-hmm. that is really hard to fabricate. <laughs> I agree with you. And I relationships to me are what make the world go round. And when you can show up and be yourself, yeah. good days, bad days, anything in between, even with your team, yeah. it builds a level of trust and rapport that I think is irreplaceable and is crucial in times when resilience is, is paramount. And I think right now is maybe one of those perfect times. So you've been now um, at Millenol, I think, between three and four years. Mm-hmm. That's that, I think that's your first general counsel position. Jackie, yes. do I have to get that right? Yes. Fantastic. Tell me about the kind of the two or three priorities you were focused on then when you first started and tell me how that's changed today. And I think we probably touched a little bit on um, what you're going to say about today, but tell me, tell me about that that kind of transition. What was important then, and what are you focused on now? I would say when I when I first joined the t- company, I was focused on getting to know my team, making sure that we were optimizing our resources as as much as possible. I had moved from what were relatively very large organizations to still large company, but smaller footprint and smaller, much smaller legal team. And so it was really about the team. It was about understanding what the risk profile of the company was and the risk tolerance of the, yep. the company. Um, so what are the things that, you know, I could, I could be focused on and ensuring that the rest of the management team didn't need to worry about it, that we had a, a, a good handle on it. Um, I was focused on I had not been a public company general counsel previously. That was a pretty significant uh, yep. learning curve for me. And so, and I would say that the, and then just getting to know the business, the industry, that's always a, a, a critical priority, stepping into a new role again in, a, in a, an industry that you haven't previously been part of. Yep. So having done that, how do you identify this, these are the two or three things I've got to focus on. Having kind of done the groundwork, getting understanding what the team are doing, understanding the risk profile uh, of the company, and getting up to speed with what it's like to be a GC of a public company. How do you how do you then identify? Here are the two or three things that are going to make a difference to us for the next couple of years. 
I think the team is everything. So making sure that the team was able to do the most interesting, highest value add work was something that was a, a, a major priority for me. And and we've we've tried some things along the way, and it continues to be a, a work in progress. But I think that we today are a much more optimized um, version of of yep. what we were when I when I joined the company. Um, I also, you know, you you reading the ten k is incredibly valuable for someone before they join a company. Just read through that; it, it's a wealth of information. You know, our intellectual property, as I mentioned, was going to be crucially important. Yep. Um, we were growing very quickly. Um, we had a, a pretty significant growing retail space that maybe didn't have the the same level of legal support that it perhaps needed, given the, the strategic importance of it to the business, maybe the same comment on, on digital. Yep. And so we kind of course corrected to make sure that we had resources assigned to those parts of the business. Uh, Also just made sure, because we are a small legal team, I I try to structure it in a couple of different ways. We're not going to have people everywhere. So first, having a senior lawyer kind of aligned to each of the commercial leaders, acting as their legal advisor, but also just acting as a core part of their leadership team. Yep. That's sort of one approach. The second approach is... um, We have subject matter experts or centers of excellence that support those senior lawyers, but also are helping to drive, you know, harmonized policies, procedures, et cetera, for the rest of the organization so that we have a common approach and can minimize the the one-offs that inevitably come up. Um, So those would be, for us, compliance, intellectual property, and employment. Then we had a rash of outside counsel that we were using that didn't seem to, there, there wasn't a, a strategic approach to who are we using where, why are we yep. using them? Yep. And so we, we embarked on a, an optimization effort there as well to get some strategic relationships in place to make sure that the firms knew who we were, what our issues were, our industry, our competitive set, and that they weren't just answering the legal question, but they were helping yep. us think through the legal answer with all of the attendant um, considerations that that go along with it, um, and so we've we've narrowed down the number of, of firms that we've used, um, and then the last part of that is just automating as much as possible, getting the getting the important high volume, you know, medium yep. risk work taken care of, um, yeah. to allow the 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 resources that you have to do their best work. Yeah, I was actually going to ask specifically about that because you talked about making sure that the resources are doing the highest value work. And I assume you're going to come to, let's let's find out what's the lower value work and let's see where, how we can kind of automate that. Definitely. And so we don't have expensive, valuable resources um, uh, doing doing the low value work. So, so technology has helped there, presumably. It has. And I well, here's what I would encourage. There is a treasure trove of options available that may not be packaged beautifully, but if you're using technology in your company, there are probably modules, yep. things that you can be leveraging from a legal perspective to get the work done. Yep. Um, this is a, 
very much a work in progress for us. But again, the goal is is to get that work off of of our value team's um, plates. And and what would you say, Jackie, to general counsels out there who, because technology sometimes feels like it's going to be a heavy lift. There's going to be change management. I have heard on a number of occasions, um, my team is change management fatigued right mm-hmm. now that they they can't deal let's say with another piece of technology or a new way of working um, we need to take a break from introducing anything and but because the kind of approach you talked about there it, it kind of sounded like bite-sized chunks exactly if you like so what, what would you say to the to those that feel a little bit technology fatigued or change management fatigued? I, my, I quote my husband on this quite a bit. He always says, how do you eat an elephant, Jackie? One bite at a time. One so bite at a time. Literally, the, the, and, and I remember a conversation actually on the Pursuit platform with my team where I'm describing it and I can see their, their, the, the color is like draining out of their face. And I can see them like, she's not going to make us do this. And she's not going to make us do not not a, not that, a new right. tool. Do what? What do right. I have to learn? I don't want to do things differently. I want to. <laughs> no, this is hard. It's going to take time. Oh, no. um, and in fairness, I, I I understand where they were coming from a hundred percent. I think you approach it again in bite-sized chunks, as yep. as you mentioned. Yep. You pilot. You take one process. You test. If it doesn't work, by the way, I've tried a lot of things in my career that didn't work and you, yep. you, that's okay. That's you a learning on. and you move on. Yep. Um, but I, I do think there are, and I, I, I think from a productivity perspective in particular, there are, we, we have to start adapting yep. to, to doing things differently because we all just have to do less with, or more with less, excuse more me. More with less. Yep. And and so I, I say pilot, 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 fail yep. fast, move on. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, we're, we're um, I like to joke, we're, we're very scrappy. And it's amazing what you can learn and what you, what you can leverage that, that sits outside your budget that will yep. accomplish some of the things that you need to accomplish. Yeah. So. But, but, don't be but, afraid to look. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't look, you don't try, how right. are you ever going to know? That's right. Um, how are you going to know what's working or oh, what can potentially work for you? Did, I'm interested, Was there, did you feel any pressure from kind of the rest of the organisation? I don't. The, the general journey of digitisation that most organisations are going through, did that kind of filter through at all to legal or uh, to your department or was it much more, you know, essentially the legal department's initiative or was it a combination of both? I'm just interested on how the on that cocktail it's it was probably more our initiative again driven by this desire to my team's well-being is a massive priority and they're not going to be able to operate at their best if they're working 24 7 and just you know weighed down by the and so it was really born of that and um, and of a, a need to make sure that from a retention perspective, yeah. I was keeping 
people the best people and allowing them to get the experiences that they wanted and needed. So comment might dovetail into my next question. Looking ahead, the next few years, probably just more generally around challenges for general counsels and legal. I think we might have touched a little bit. Well, what what do you see? And the reason I said there might be a link here because retention is one. Retention of great talent is certainly a theme that I hear a lot about as a top of mind future challenge for GCs. What do you see as the challenge for GCs and perhaps legal more generally? Probably three come to mind. I could probably come up with a list, but one is, again, I think the the role of the lawyer is is not just being the lawyer. There are there are issues emerging that require oftentimes cross-functional coordination and input and um, but someone needs to lead. And topics like ESG, I think, are really prime for a, a, a general counsel or a, a, a chief legal officer to really kind of step in and, and drive. And, and have an impact beyond just the the, the pure legal um, impact. So that's number one. Number two would be just the constant pressure to do more with less. And that is going to require all of us in the legal industry to reassess how we're doing things and being open to novel approaches, novel, novel ideas, and then the third is, we touched on the, the retention issue. The talent war is real right now and trying to balance the giving people the opportunities to develop and grow and, and continue to, to improve their, their professional uh, skills while also balancing the needs and risks of, of the organization is, is something that is becoming just more challenging generally. And you've got to differentiate yourself and you've got to you know remain an employer of choice and and be creative in, in how you go about doing that. Yeah, and in an environment too, when, and this is a theme I've heard a lot about recently, an environment where there are now, with with flexible working, there are now more choices mm-hmm. <laughs> available, available to great employees. Um, so, um, so suddenly the competition, um, despite the environment, the competition is probably stronger. Um, Correct. Uh, than it was before. So being able to you know create the environment you're talking about, I actually think is going to get harder and harder because there is going to be more to compete with. A couple of questions, Jackie, that I like to wrap up with. Of course. Um, one, what have you spent too much time worrying about in the past, which on reflection is not time well spent? I think most lawyers, present company included, are incredibly ambitious. And I don't think, I think I was constantly thinking about what's next. What's next? Look, what, how am I going to, where am I going to go? How do I, as opposed to just enjoying the journey. And by the way, this is, I would say this to my 20 year old self and my, my current self. I'm still not doing a great job, but... Because one of my next questions was going to be, what advice do you typically give that you're not really good at taking yourself? And it sounds like it's that. So let me tell you, Jackie, that is a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. I I do that right now. Uh, I used to think about all the time I'd be worrying about the next step and, and so forth. And I'd reflect on that and say, what a waste of time that was. What, what am I doing right now? Jackie, How, I'm, I'm worried right. about the next... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm worried about the next step. <laughs> like when you think about all the time that you wasted, that you could have all the other oh. experiences and lessons yep. learned and yep. that could have been. Yep. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to it, it, it it's hard, hard to be in the moment for sure. Uh, look, I think my lens is a lot better right now, and mm. it's a, and you can absolutely give that advice. And I, I, on occasion, it does land. Um, that's what ex- experience gives you. It gives you the ability to get that advice out. And and um, now, if if it was given to the Jackie of twenty five, I don't know, maybe five or ten percent of it would have. But that's a five to ten percent. I would have like batted <laughs> batted that away and say, "Get out of my way." I've got places to go i've got a career to build you're exactly. in my way you're wasting my time. time brain space get out oh, of my life that's hilarious yeah um, second last question um anything that keeps you up at night now making sure my team is engaged making sure that we're delivering the the best legal product yeah. that we can for the company and and then just what i don't know yeah. Because you can only be so many places, and uh, that is the one thing that that I'm constantly thinking about. How do we make sure that we're, you know, on the the, the cusp of knowing what what might be around the corner, yeah. and yeah. Um, and then there are a multitude of other things, but I won't bore the audience with that. Yeah, I, I was gonna, the the stuff that you don't know. That stuff is always going to keep. Yeah. If it keeps you up 100%. at night, now it's always going to keep you up at night. Yeah. And the final question. Time between when you wake up and you check your emails, less than or more than 30 seconds? Less than. Less than. So I think that answer, Jackie, is so far, I think the score is about 10 to 0 in favour of less than. So, look, on that note, Jackie, it's been an absolute blast speaking speaking with you. Thanks so much for joining me. It's It's been an absolute hoot. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.